2: Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Let's talk about building a retirement portfolio and the proper asset allocation. We're going to do that today and much, much more. We're going to talk about the seven steps for retirement readiness. I think the age from 20 to 60, you're accumulating wealth. I think the age from 60 to 100, you're managing It's not that perfect. It's not that simple, but I think that's the right idea so that we can all digest and move forward. We do have an event coming up February 15th. It's a Thursday, 630 to 830. It's in Menlo Park, California. It is free to sign up for if you have $500,000 of assets um, in the stock market or more, and you're starting to think you're 50, 55, you're getting to that age where you're starting to think, I need this switch. I need to do it right We're going to cover things like taxes, income, long-term care, investing, life goals, and much, much more. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton. He's with EP Wealth. He's a regional director, but he's also a certified financial planner. These are high-end concepts that he's going to be talking about. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about building a retirement portfolio and the proper asset allocation. Chad, is asset allocation more important as you go into retirement? during retirement or
1: pre-retirement? Uh, definitely as you're going into retirement and then after you retire. So I mean, we can go over some market numbers here in a minute, but the issue is, is that as you are working and you're funding your 401k, typically every two weeks out of your paycheck, um, the the market dips really don't matter. In fact, you kind of like, all right, well, we know markets positive a little over 70% of the time. So 30% of the time we're buying at really good lows. And when the market does dip, instead of being... Scared like a lot of financial media wants you to be. You should actually be trying to buy as much as possible because if, like, you look at like twenty twenty two, right, or two thousand eight or nine, those were amazing times to put a lot of money into the market because years later it was quite a bit higher. Um, I'll just give you an
2: example on twenty twenty two. I bought some yeah. Nvidia on the way down, and then I got scared and it was going even lower.
1: But eighteen months later, it was the buying opportunity that you're talking about. It's tough to yeah, time. I, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And and just going over, you know, the value versus growth last year, right? Value drastically underperformed growth, but let's, well, we're going to put it in perspective here and uh, there'll be some video on this and some charts people can see for those that want to watch this on YouTube. But, um, you know, the issue is, is that once you retire, you're, you're, you're not feeding your portfolios anymore. And so as you pull money out, you have to make sure that you have a plan so that you're not pulling money out when the market does dip. And 2022 is a recent lesson where stocks and bonds can dip sometimes together, right? If you have a big run-up in stocks and then the Federal Reserve wants to slow the economy down, get a little overheated, and they start raising rates, when they raise rates, bonds can fall in value at the same time, time stocks can. And that's really what happened in 2022. So the good news is that if you have the proper type of asset allocation in retirement, your portfolio is going to be kicking off dividends from stocks and interest from bonds, Um, no matter what the stock market is doing, you know, even in 2008 and 2009, when the market was way down, stocks were still paying dividends in most cases, um, and bonds still paid interest. And so if you can live off of that and have the proper cash reserves, it makes it so that you, you do not sell after a decline because yes, the market will always recover. But if you sell after a decline, you have less shares in your account to recover. So it's a mathematical issue right? When you're younger, and you're always buying, it doesn't really matter that much. But the proper asset allocation, as you get towards retirement, and I I like to have it so that people's portfolios are set up properly five years away from retirement. So they don't have to worry and stress as much about the timing of their retirement. They know they have a plan, even if they happen to retire in the year where the market's having a difficult time, they still have a plan to get through that. And so especially once you get to retirement, asset allocation and the proper asset allocation doesn't mean I'm outperforming the market every year and I'm always in the best asset classes and I'm constantly rotating. That's not what it means. It, it essentially means that you're smoothing out your returns, you're reducing volatility, um, you're dampening those years that are you know, down a bit because when you win and you outperform when the market is down, you're years ahead on the recovery side. And so we'll talk a little bit about that. I can even pull up a chart for you if you want. So, you know, when we look at the overall stock market, right, we've got, this is a a chart that we discussed in the past and this is updated for the last 50 years in the, the stock market um and you've got essentially all cash on the left and then 100% stocks on the right. So 100% stocks in this this scenario is a total return of the S&P 500. So over the last 50 years it's averaged 12 and a half or 12.7%. Um it's positive 80% of the time, which is a little bit better than what you and I typically talk about, right? We like to assume that the stock market's positive 70% of the time and we'll probably average around 9 to 11% over our lifetimes um and, you know it's not guaranteed returns or anything but that that's historically when you look at 50 to 100 years that really holds true um now even though the average return has been 12.7 percent, when the market is positive the average return has been 19.9 percent, rob so that, that's pretty good right when people get a year like last year you're like oh that's an anomaly it never happens it, it actually does um when the market is negative so the 20% of the time in this 50-year scenario when the market was negative, the average return to the downside was, was uh, negative 14.4%. And the worst one-year return was down 37%. And that was 2008. So even with 2008, the markets averaged a pretty good period of time. But the, the thing is, you'll notice that on the S&P 500, if you're fully invested in stocks, and all of a sudden you have a market decline of like, let's say 2008 and you pull money out, you have less shares to recover. Um, and so you really go for more of that blend. So when you go for a blend of stocks and bonds and then other asset classes, right? Because we have real estate, we have cash, um, we have commodities and other things like that. It's the idea that you're smoothing out your return so that when the market does decline, it doesn't decline as much. So for example, in a, you know, 50% stock, 50% bond portfolio, instead of being down 37% in 08, it would have still been down about 13.7, but you also would have recovered a lot sooner. And so I can show you some recovery periods too. So that all, that all makes sense, right. In terms of the idea that, all right, we're going to dampen returns. We're going to have, we're going to get the rate of return that you need to have a successful retirement. Um, with the least amount of risk possible and the least amount of volatility possible. Sounds
2: good. Um, God, what do we have about a minute? Um, do you, you mentioned before that investors have short-term memory is the recent few years, last few years uh, a proof of that,
1: or has it not actually occurred? Um, no, I, I think it is. I mean, if we look at, um, can you see the chart that I've got up this from white charts right now. One minute. Yep. Yeah, so I think we'll talk about this and and really get into it after the break, because last year it was a situation where by the end of the year, everybody wanted tech stocks, right? And if we look at QQQ, which represents a way to invest in the NASDAQ directly, the total return from 1231.22 to 1231.2023 was 54.85%. But the previous year was just the opposite, and even though value wasn't, didn't do as well last year, it did much better over the previous two years. And so we'll just talk about how, why you want to own a little bit of everything.
2: Don't forget the big events coming up February 15th, Thursday, 6.30 to 8.30 in Menlo Park, California, the seven steps for retirement readiness. You can sign up today at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com.
0: Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, February 15th in Menlo Park for a live event. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all seven tests?
2: Sign up online today at RobBlackShow.com. So if you go to my YouTube channel, Rob Black Show, so you go to YouTube, you search Rob Black Show, you hit subscribe, you can watch the version of today's show with video. Chad's using charts, so it's incredibly helpful, because on radio, when you say, let's go to a chart, it doesn't mean much. You feel like you're uh, the blind, so to speak. Um, We are talking about a bit that's coming up tied towards the seven steps of retirement readiness. This show has grown up with me. In the sense that I started the show when I was in my 20s and I was talking about tech stocks and beating the stock market and growth. And as I've gotten older, I am now approaching retirement. Um, I could still do this show in retirement. I likely will probably in some different format, like a weekend, maybe. So I'm not going to go anywhere, but I need these seven steps taxes. That's a big one. Income, long term care. I'm going to get that because my mom needed long term care and her mother needed long term care. Safe money, investing, life goals, and health. Health is a big one, too. You don't want to be in retirement and, and be 65 going on 95. You want to be 95 going on 65. Chad Burton is a CFP at EP Wealth. You can find his website and sign up for the event on February 15th at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. If you can't remember that, robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Chad, when we last left off, you had mentioned that investors have a very short-term memory. How does the last few years prove that point?
1: Well, so if you can still see the the chart up on the screen, Rob, I've got a couple of uh, ETFs up and the returns that happened in 2023, because 2023 was a pretty good year, right? The recession that everybody expected never came. Everybody in the beginning of 2023 was talking about when the recession was going to hit. It just never happened. Um, And so as interest rates came down, Uh, You know, tech stocks rallied throughout the year and the the S&P 500 is more tech oriented than it has ever been. It's more closely, more aligned allocation wise in terms of sectors to the Nasdaq. So if we look at the Nasdaq, which is the Nasdaq 100, right, you can the the way to invest in that is you could invest in something called QQQ, which is an ETF. And none of these are recommendations. Consult a broker advisor before taking any action. It's just an example of of real life returns here in 2023. So the NASDAQ was up 54.85% because it's really heavily weighted in the Magnificent Seven, you know, the Apples, the NVIDIAs, um, you know, all of the tech stocks. But people forgot that the this was just a recovery from the tech wreck that occurred in 2022, right? In 2022, which is really the beginning of the current cycle that we're in, that was when, when we started to hear about the Fed needs to raise interest rates, the government pumped way too much money into the economy with the ppp loans and you know erc credits and all this stuff that really wasn't fully needed it wasn't used as as you know we thought <laughs> so um, it, it created a lot of inflation in a lot of places and so you know then the fed said okay in, in 2023 we're going to start raising rates um the recession never came and and this is the returns that we're looking at s&p 500 up 26%, and then the uh, NASDAQ up 54.85%. If we look at it more in terms of, let's break it down because an asset allocation, you have you know large cap, mid cap, small cap, international emerging markets, and then you have different investing styles. You either have value or growth. And I like a combination. And one of the ways you could do that is you could say, okay, I want ETFs that focus on value picking stocks, kind of the Warren Buffett way, low price to book, low price to sales, Or growth, which is more like, hey, these companies are changing the world, right? They have high revenue. And so they're going to have a higher price to earnings ratio, but they have a lot quicker growth in terms of revenue and sales. And so if you look at Vanguard growth ETF, VUG last year was up 46.83%. And Vanguard value VTV was up only 9.32%. And I say only, that's still a great return, right? 9.32%. But um, all of the returns, when you're looking at this chart, really came in the last few months of the year, Um, really the last two months of the year on value. And so by the end of last year, everybody wanted tech again. And so you have to look at this and say, okay, what's happened? What's the total return if I would have invested in these? four different ETFs that I mentioned since the beginning of 2022. So in other words, we're looking at this chart now from 1231-2021 to the end of 2023. The total return of VTV is actually higher. It's up 7.07% versus VUG, which is the growth, which is still down 1.85% by the end of the year. So it just goes to show you that You've got to own a little bit of everything because if you would have owned a combination, you would have been better off because in 2022, you wouldn't have dipped as much. Um, so value didn't go down as much in 2022. So it, does, it means it didn't have to go up as much in 2023 to win. OK, so this is the total return from, you know, for the whole two years where it's actually Vanguard value BTV up 7.07, the Nasdaq up 4.4, S&P 500 up uh uh, 3.26 and Vanguard growth down 1.85% total return. So this is what dividends reinvested over that, that period of time. Um, I, I think the other thing that, you know, we we want to look at is just, okay, what happens? The reason why we talk about asset allocation and diversification and what it truly means, which is not outperforming every single year. When we throw the party, it's when if the market's way down and we're down a lot less you have so much left less to recover that's when you throw the party right and asset allocation typically means you're, you're kind of keeping up with the market in the good years but you're really outperforming in the bad years is the goal um and then on top of that though you when you're retired you have to have that plan in place so that you're not selling when stocks and bonds are down so that's why you know years ago just because i was majoring in engineering and math when i got into the business it was like, all right, I need to have three years worth of portfolio draws in cash because I saw periods where stocks and bonds went down together. And 2022 was a perfect example of that, right? 2022, we had stocks were up over the last several years with, with you know, the money that was pumped into the economy, Um Interest rates were at historical lows, and the feds were like, okay, inflation is here. We've got to start raising rates. And when the feds raise rates, when rates go up, your existing bonds go down in value. And so by the time that the rate increases came into play, by the end of 2023, if you look at SPY, S&P 500, down down 18.17%, and the bond market index, if you look at something like BND, down 13%. That's why you also have to have those cash reserves in retirement.
2: So you can catch the show on YouTube, Rob Black Show. It's YouTube Rob Black Show. Or you can come to the event February 14th, the 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness. It is in the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park, 630 to 830. I'll be there a few hours early. If you want to chat financial planning, drop me an email and we'll get that done. Um, Sign up at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com or robblackshow.com. The seven steps for retirement readiness. This interview featured on the Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more at robblack.com. Chad and I have been on air together for many years, 25 roughly. Um, I was a stock picker and investment portfolio guy when he met me, and he was on the financial planning train. And... I saw the value in the long term of partnering with a financial planner because stock picking, I think, is probably the easiest part of the big picture of financial planning. Uh, financial planning covers topics like taxes and income, long-term care, safe money, investing. I can do that really well. Life goals, not so much, but health and wellness, that's all super important as well. Uh, this is an event that's coming up on February 15th that's going to cover all those topics, the seven steps. Um, can you, you know, climb step one, two, three, oops, you missed one, four, six, seven. It's okay. You're going to learn on the areas that you're making mistakes on or that you're underperforming. It's Thursday, February 15th, 630 to 830, Menlo Park, California at the Stanford Park Hotel. Great parking. It's on El Camino. So it's really easy to get to during rush hour. Um, don't stress rush hours, not so bad as it was pre pandemic. That was a rough time. One of the nice things about the pandemic is it has cut down on traffic. Odd thing to say, but true. Let's get back to CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at chadburton.com. He does have a podcast as well. Anywhere you get podcasts, look for new focus on wealth with Chad Burton. Chad, um, let's talk a little bit about real estate in this whole big picture that you're trying to put together of, of how it all works together.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm going to go back in a minute because we'll, you know, we're talking about some rough periods, right? Like 2022, and we're talking about uh, real estate right now. Um, and then I'm going to go back and say the market's going to take really good care of us over time. But the reason why I'm drilling these points in is is that the biggest thing in retirement is to have the proper asset allocation and the, the proper amount of safe money, and and how you rebalance those two things together and make it work. But um, you know, a lot of people. I mean, everybody brings up in almost every meeting the idea of commercial real estate, right yep. and um, how nobody wants to go work in downtown San Francisco, downtown Oakland, downtown Portland, Oregon, downtown Houston, you know some of these cities that are just poorly run and and traffic is bad and and people want to work from home, and people are realizing with technology you can prove that okay people are getting their work done right. Everybody knows that, Rob. Everybody knows about the massive amount of debt that has to be refinanced because the way commercial properties work is that you typically have a loan that amortizes over 15 or 30 years or sometimes interest only, but the interest rates are only locked in for every five to 10 years. And then you have to refinance again. It's just kind of part of the business. And so that's by math, we have about $1.3 that has to be refinanced this year, and it's going to be at higher rates. And when you Everybody knows that, so a lot of that thing gets priced into the market. So what I have up here is three very common ETFs that the ETFs own real estate investment trusts. Those are companies that they could own properties for senior living, they could own apartment buildings, they could own self storage, um, uh, you know, server storage, cell phone towers, and things like that. So it's it's diversified real estate. To be a REIT, it's still a publicly traded company. But REITs enjoy special tax benefits, so by they have to pass on 90% of their net income to investors, so typically the dividends are higher, and it's it's exposure to real estate. And so everybody knows this, and if you look at REITs from um, the beginning of 2022, so this chart is from 1231 2021 to today, right, February 2nd. And real estate, if you look at these things, the total return over this period of time, you got you know RWR down 18% and you got VNQ which is a popular Vanguard REIT down 20.3%. So a lot of that news is in. Um now we've been really light on REITs but recently there's the, I you know I've been adding but in the, there's there's some private REITs out there because when you look at real estate in general if you take out those cities that I mentioned and those those commercial properties um uh, occupancy rates are at 40 year highs on a lot of other real estate. And we have a shortage of housing and high interest rates, and more people are needing apartments. Um, so that's even an asset class that everybody is fearful of, but sometimes that already gets priced into the market, right? Now we're not ready to be adding a bunch of publicly traded REITs yet, but we're kicking it around, you know, the investment policy committee from what I've heard has talked about it, but not quite ready to go yet, but there are some private real estate ones that I, I like. So, and that can be part of your asset allocation. You t- people typically hear about stocks, bonds, uh, you know cash, uh, commodities and things like that. But other ones are that you can add an asset class, private real estate, private credit. those are two very important asset classes in our economy these days. Um, and but you know you do see declines in different asset classes. And that is why when we look at the overall market, we say, okay, the stock market is going to take really good care of us over time. Um in fact if we go back to the the chart that we were talking about at the beginning of the show um and we mentioned yesterday on the show different allocation examples when you invest a portion in cash versus stocks versus bonds if we look at a 60 40 portfolio right 60% stocks 40% bonds that's what everybody hears about these days right the 60 40 portfolio so if we're in the uh, US government bond index for 40% and 60% in the S&P 500 over the last fifty years, your average annual return would have been ten point two percent by the end of twenty twenty three. Pretty good, right? So I'm talking about some negative issues, um, and the, but you know this still had a decline of seventeen percent in two thousand eight, and it was fairly close to that in in twenty twenty two. So even though your portfolio would take really good care of you over time, there are going to be scary points. You retire at 65, you could live till you're 100. You're going to go through several recessions. You're going to go through other crises and black swan events that you that you aren't going to see coming. And as long as you have a plan in place, which is a properly diversified portfolio. And you have enough cash to meet three years worth of your portfolio draws. That's not expenses, right? It's portfolio draws. So if you have all of your expenses, minus your automatic income like Social Security, dependable rental income, dividends and interest, three years of what you're going to need to pull out of your portfolio in cash so that when the market does correct, you have your cash plus your dividends and interest, your Social Security, and maybe some rental income. That's going to cover your expenses. And it'll get you through uh, lots of period of time. If you look at this chart that I have up, what it talks about is different portfolios and how long they take to recover. So when I got into the business at 19, I was majoring with engineering and math and fell in love with the stock market. I noticed that, gosh, over time, it's it's an amazing place to be, the the power of compounding numbers. But also dealing with retirees because of my grandfather from the beginning, I realized that, okay, it takes really good care of you over time as long as you don't sell when you panic or when the market's down, right? That's the time to buy because it always comes rallying back. Um so the the chart that we're looking at now talks about okay let's say you would have invested in the stock market in October of 2007 and you um were 100% invested in stocks mm-hmm. so the market bottomed in March of 09 um I remember doing a conference call in March I think it was 12th and you know happened to, telling everybody that you know this has gone overboard in terms of a decline so if anything buy um and the market you know rallied back up now it took august of t- august 12th of 2012 for stocks to break even Rob. so if you were just in the s&p 500 in october 2007 you would have had to decline you wouldn't have broke even until october or august 12th of 2012 right but if you were in a 60 40 portfolio 60% S&P 500, 40% bond index, you'd have recovered November 5th of 2010. That's that three-year period that I've been preaching since you and I have been on radio since 1999. Um, and it's simply for for math. So during that period of time, if, as long as you would have li- been living off of your cash, your Social Security, your dividends and interest, maybe rental income, you would have seen your portfolio decline and you would have seen it recover by uh, November of 2010 if you would have been all stocks, you would have been waiting another couple of years and that would have been scary. So the idea is that you can actually have a portfolio or an investment that has a lower average annual rate of return, but the ending results could be higher because of less volatility, right? It's a game of math. That's average annual return versus geometric mean. And so you really have to smooth out the returns and, um, worry more about keeping up with the market in the good years but outperforming in the bad years once you are getting ready to retire
2: i think it's also worthy to note that um if you pull up any 40 year chart or 60 70 80 year chart you don't even notice those bad periods it's just like the chart that you have on the screen right now it just starts in the lower left and it creeps up to the lower right you don't notice things like world war ii and korea and nagasaki you don't realize things like oil at 150 and oil at zero um you don't realize high inflation low inflation deflation you don't realize uh president's getting shot it just it, it works over time especially your lifetime so um with that said let's talk about safe money maybe i think you have yeah. this on your list um explain what you mean you know safe money rules and what do we need to know
1: yeah so first of all we go back to that one idea that we talked about in in 2022 the chart that i showed where um, both stocks and bonds were down, you know, at the same period of time mm-hmm. or at, at the same time. So if we look at this chart right now, this is 2022. And the idea of the market was high, the Fed started raising rates. And we had a year where the SP 500 was down 18.17%. And the overall bond market index, if we look at uh, BND, for example, like Vanguard's ETF, that represents the uh, bond index, down 13.11%. And so even though that, you know, a 60-40 portfolio, like I just showed, has taken really good care of people over time, the last thing you'd want to do is have to sell in retirement to put food on the table. Um, so having that three years worth the portfolio draws in cash allows you to say, okay, I've got a plan in place, the market does always recover, and I've got enough cash, dividends and interest and Social Security to live off of it.
2: Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at chadburton.com because you're probably watching this on YouTube now. Open another tab and go to his website, chadburton.com, and sign up for the seven steps of full retirement readiness. He's also got a lot of great downloads. Get them because they're all great content that you can consume and learn on your own. Big event Thursday, February 15th, 630 to 830 The seven steps for retirement readiness. Sign up today at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is The Rob Black Show. We're hammering that this is on YouTube, right? Chad and I usually can only be heard on podcast or broadcast, which I call narrowcast. We're doing a financial show. Share this with your friends. Go to YouTube right now and punch in Rob Black show, and you'll find uh, you know all the videos that I do, all the audio that I do. Um, <clears throat> we'll get a copy of this put up on our website. It's chadburton.com. He is a financial planner with EP Wealth. Uh, He's also a regional director, and he's also going to be doing an event coming up February 15th in Menlo Park, California, Uh, the uh, Stanford Park Hotel. So that's a little confusing because it sounds like the city, but it's not. It's Menlo Park, but it's a great hotel, great parking, great restaurant. I'll be there a few hours early if anyone wants to meet me and talk about financial planning. and What is it and what is it not? Is it appropriate for you? Um, The 7 Steps to Retirement right now, so you can sign up at chadburton.com or broadblackshow.com. Chad, I, I'm pretty familiar with the concept of averaging in my 401k. I've yeah. split it up so if I'm putting $20,000 in, I'm doing X amount per month every month and it's nice and steady. Um, every two weeks it's consistent and um, I don't really worry about market highs or market lows. I like it when the market's down while I'm accumulating my shares, but you get the idea. Does that, that. theory work in reverse
1: when you're in retirement? It really doesn't. Um, and it's a game of math. And that's why you hear that term, the order of stock market returns is one of the biggest risks in retirement. And we've talked about, you know, throughout the show, how let's even go back a hundred years on the S and P 500 um, average annual return is around 10, 11% positive, a little over 70% of the time. So what's hap- what happens though in that 30% of the time, right? And I think one of the biggest mistakes that investors make is they pick their mutual funds based on the average annual rate of return, which is essentially resetting every year. And the easiest example of that that we always give is that, okay, let's say you have $100,000 in in a mutual fund that you picked, right? And it drops by 50%. And you have $50,000 left, what do you have to get that next year to break even? 100% 100% rate of return, right? Yeah, 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 sorry, I fell asleep on you. <laughs> you know this way. come Conor. So if you look at what, okay, then, then the, the fund will post its average annual return over the last two years, let's say, and it's negative 50 plus 100, which is 50 divided by two. Oh, that's an average annual rate of return of 25. That's not what happened. Your real return was Zero. zero. Right. So this is an example I give at the event where you've got two choices. You've got investment A, which is a flat 6% rate of return and investment B, which it looks a lot like the market, you know, double digit returns and then for three years and then a negative double digit return. Um, and then some mediocre returns after that. But the average annual rate of return when you add each of those years up and divide it by 10 is 6.4. So investment B has a higher average annual rate of return but the total real return of investment A with the lower average annual return, you end up with more money in it. You know, in this scenario, if you're looking up uh, at yeah, YouTube, you see um, you know, almost two grand more. And so that's the idea when it comes to investing is, is, is the math is different, right? So one of the other examples that I've given for years that I really like is, is the idea of reverse dollar cost averaging, which is what I think a lot of people approach their retirement planning with. And this is an example um, that I've been using for many years. It's somebody that invested in 1970. They retired in 1970. Right. And they wanted to pull out uh, back then 5% of their money. They had 500,000. They were investing 40% stock, 60% bonds. That's the way it used to be, Rob, you know, when we got into the business years ago. Uh, Bonds were paying a lot higher and they wanted to draw 5% out a year, 25 grand to meet their living expenses. And back then inflation was a little bit higher. So they were going to increase that 25 withdrawal rate by 4% a year. And so what this does is it uses actual returns of the stock and the bond market indexes in this, a combination of the Dow and the S&P. Um, And the the bond market index and the, what, what happened for this couple in 1970, when they retired and they pulled 25 grand a year, compounding 4% inflation every year, they ended up with $4 million that they were leaving to their kids, right? From 1970 to 2008. Now, if we take that scenario from 1970 to 2008 and we just take those returns of stocks and bonds and reverse the order of them exactly mirror image of it if the re- the order was totally reversed that same scenario mm. they're out of money after 32 years so the average annual rate of return would be the same but it was the order of those returns that occurred Um, the, 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 you know, the bad years of the seventies in this scenario came later when they're drawing the most out of their portfolio and they ran out of money. So we can't just do that blind, um, reverse averaging in retirement. You have to be more careful than that. Now, timing the market in terms of contributions when you're younger, doesn't matter when it drops by more, but timing your withdrawals is everything in retirement, so most you, you you have the right amount of cash in your portfolio, which is, in my opinion, three years worth of portfolio draws, not expenses, your total expenses. That's too high. But your draws, your expenses minus your automatic income sources like Social Security, dividends, real estate, things like that. And you have three years worth of that in cash. And then every quarter, you look at it and say, how much cash did I spend? If the stock market or your portfolio, stocks and bonds, are up, you peel enough of that growth off to replenish the cash that you've spent. So in theory, you're doing that 70% of the time. But when the market's declining, um, stocks and bonds together, then you have enough cash and dividends and interest to live off of. And you get through those down markets. And I'm telling you is that your risk tolerance will drastically, drastically decline in retirement. So you have to know that you have a plan in place to get through those rough years that occasionally happen.
2: Yeah, I just got an email from someone recently who's in retirement. And he says, you know, I'm worried about a market down draft. And that's exactly what you're talking about. He should have worried about that three years previous. And then he wouldn't be worried about it, or maybe even five years. We've got about a minute left. Is there anything you want to add as far as you know what to expect from the event coming up on February 15th in Menlo Park, the seven steps for retirement readiness.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing, good thing to do is for people to, um, you know, get an idea of the list of all of their expenses. Cause that's something that should, people should do before they visit an advisor and say, what are all my living expenses that I have to have to, you know, keep the lights on and the food on the table. But then what do I want retirement to be like? What am I funding? How much, how much do I need to draw every year? And then, and then you do the rest of the plan from there.
2: Thanks very much, Chad. This has been fun. People can find it on YouTube under Rob Black's show. If you want to click on his website, Chadburton.com, there's a lot of great content there for you, um, including the ability to sign up for the event February 15th, 630 to 830 at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Find him at chadburton.com. Find me at robblackshow.com. Good day.
0: Think you're in good shape for retirement? Find out how you're really doing with the seven steps for retirement readiness. Join Rob Black and CFP Chad Burton of EP Wealth Advisors Thursday, February 15th in Menlo Park for a live event. Chad will walk you through these seven steps to find out whether you are really ready for the retirement you want. Rob will provide timely commentary and Chad will share specific strategies for taxes, income, long-term care, safe money, investing, life goals, and more. If you have at least $500,000 in investable assets and want to gauge where your retirement stands, pass on your estate, and create tax efficiencies, this event is for you. The 7 Steps for Retirement Readiness, Thursday, February 15th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the Stanford Park Hotel in Menlo Park. Space is limited, so sign up today at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Can you pass all 7 t-